So I'm going to dive straight into the word um, this morning because I feel it's an important one and um, just been brewing uh, all this week. And uh, so, Father God, I just pray that you help me deliver this with clarity. And Lord, that you would just speak so clearly through me into the lives. Help us, Lord. Change us, challenge us, we pray, in whatever way you need to this morning. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Well, we are journeying um, through a series of teaching uh, entitled We Are. And if you're new to us this morning, the reason that we're doing this is that over a couple of months, we are uh, looking at our 12 family values that define us as a church community. Every church is different. Every church has a different slant. And as long as they're preaching the message of Jesus Christ, we celebrate every church in our community. But this is essentially saying this is who we are as family church. And we're journeying through these 12 family values. So far, we've looked at being Christ-centered a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, I've heard the message, Mark did a brilliant job of communicating about us being a Bible-believing community. Now today, I want to tackle an important one. I want to talk about the fact that we are spiritual. Now in a moment, we're going to begin to look at what that does mean, and we're going to begin to open that up specifically by looking at the tagline that we have that goes with this. But before we do, let, let me just underline and explain this morning very clearly what being spiritual isn't in our context. Being spiritual doesn't mean being mysterious, being strange, having to talk in riddles, okay? And I just want to explain that because sometimes I think when we talk about being spiritual, there's something that conjures up in people's minds that's a little bit, uh, I was thinking like Mystic Meg. How many people remember Mystic Meg in the 1990s? She was this random lady, I don't know where from, but she would be on television and she would have her, her what's it called, uh, glass thing? Crystal ball, that's it. Heretics. She would have a crystal ball. Not really, you're loved. She would have a crystal ball uh, and she would say something along the lines of, tonight the National Lottery winner will have an E in their name. Well, do you know how many people in Britain have got an E in their name? It's not really that difficult. But sometimes I think that we think being spiritual means that we have to be weird. No. Okay, now some Christians are weird, but that's not the Holy Spirit's fault. So can I just ask, if you're weird this morning, can you just own it and stop blaming it on the Holy Spirit, okay? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't repel people, he draws people to himself and ultimately to Jesus. But it's important because sometimes I think when we say the word spiritual, we think, oh, it's strange, it's crooky, it's weird. And the world is actually spiritually hungry right now. It is spiritually hungry, but because it doesn't know where to satisfy that hunger, that's why it turns to the mystic marriage. That's why it turns to the psychics. That's why it turns to angel worship. That's why it turns to Ouija boards. That's why it turns to all these different things, which are just a poor substitute for the real thing. They are never going to be the real thing. They are cheap imitation. So what do we mean by being spiritual. Well, here's a tagline that we've got. We are spiritual. Acknowledging the ministry of the Holy Spirit, being filled, empowered, and led daily. So in the time that we've got this morning, I want to begin to biblically unpack what that statement means. Now, let me just put out a disclaimer this morning. To try and talk about being spiritual in the space of time that I've got, it's never going to happen. Just like last week for Mark to present, this is what the Bible is in 40 minutes, you're never going to be able to do it fully. So there's going to be stuff that could be said this morning that won't be said purely because of the sake of time. But I want to give you an overview of what we mean by being spiritual and why it's an important value 
to us. So let's begin with a foundational but fundamental question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Because if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, then how are you going to be empowered and led by him on a daily basis? So to answer that question, let me ask you another question. Have you ever received at one time or another a present that you had absolutely no idea what it was or what it did? So there are moments where you open presents and it's exactly what you thought it was going to be. You're excited about it and you're thankful. This is exactly what I wanted. There are other times at Christmas and birthdays where you receive something, you open it, and it's absolutely not what you wanted, but you're just polite, so you pretend that you're thankful. Oh, my 17th pair of socks this year. Fantastic. This is exactly what I wanted. So you have that moment where you respond out of politeness. But there's other times where you open up a present and don't tell me I'm the only one who's thick enough to have experiences. Well, you open up a present, you're like, oh, great, yeah. What is it? What on earth is this? And so we're either blunt enough to say it, or we hide it away in a drawer somewhere for a few months until we think it's been long enough and safe enough that we can now take it to Stella's voice and, and make something good out of it. Other good charity shops are available, but they're not as good as Stella's voice. So head there with your unwanted Christmas presents. But... I say all that because it strikes me that that's how some churches and somehow some individuals can be when it comes to this gift that Jesus said in John chapter 14 that God would give to us as a New Testament church. And I've spoken with many new believers and talked to them as pastor and they say, I understand God as God the Father, even though I may not have had a good experience of fatherhood, I, I understand that. I understand that Jesus is God's son and I understand that he is God as well. But who or what is the Holy Spirit? And so, so often we end up thinking that the Holy Spirit is some kind of mystical, mysterious force when actually he's a person, he's a divine person. That's why the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as he, not it. He is a person who lives and thinks and feels and hears. He's a, he's a divine person. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. We know that there is God in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And just like the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit is eternal. In other words, he has always existed, okay? He was there, because sometimes I think we think he appears, ta-da, in Acts chapter 2, in his big moment. He was there in creation. You can read about him in, in the book of Genesis. You can read about his ministry throughout the Old Testament. But there's a difference now between the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and what we can receive as New Covenant believers. And that simply means that we're this side of the cross of Jesus Christ, which has changed everything. You see, before Jesus died and was glorified... You read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person for a moment or, or a, a, a nation or a tribe for a moment, a situation, a battle, whatever it might have been. And he would kind of come and go from their lives, but he wouldn't remain with them. The beauty of what we can receive today is that the Spirit of God doesn't just turn up in your lives for women's getaway or empower conference. The Holy Spirit continually resides inside your life. John chapter 14, let's lay a foundation. John 14, verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. 
because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, what did Jesus mean by later? He meant once he'd been uh, crucified, buried, and once he'd resurrected again, once he'd been glorified. So we can now have the Spirit of God residing in us. And that's all well and good. It's good to know that the Holy Spirit is available. It's good to know that he can reside within us. But what does the Holy Spirit actually do? Now, again, that would be a whole series of teaching in itself. Time doesn't allow us to do that. We've done it before. No doubt we'll do it again. But for the sake of time today, let me give you a very quick overview or reference a few things that the Bible says the Holy Spirit does in and for us. The first thing is this, that the Spirit comes to a person dead in their sin and creates a new life. So in other words, this amazing new life that Jesus has on offer for us isn't actually available to us unless it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3 verse 5. God saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit enables us to have this new life. Then he enables us to live this new life correctly and with power. Jesus said, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power to be my witnesses. Another thing the Bible does, or sorry, another thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps you to understand and apply the Bible. The best way to read the Bible is to ask the Holy Spirit for his help. The Holy Spirit improves your prayer life. These are all things that the Bible references. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. You can read about those in 1 Corinthians 12. And if you want to know more about the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us, we did a whole series of teaching on it during lockdown and it's still on our YouTube channel. So come and speak to us and we will direct you towards it. We also spoke about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, but he also grows fruit within us that is a demonstration of the life of Christ that is now within us. That's in Galatians chapter 5. And again, we did a whole series um, during lockdown of video preaching. So you can learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can learn about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you can see all the wacky haircuts that were grown during lockdown because all the barbers were shut. And you can have memories of that. So we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is. What difference he makes to our lives. Here's another question. Because our statement says that as family church, one of our family values is that we want to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. So a good question to ask would be, well, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? And earlier this uh, year in July, we spoke a whole message about Jesus being our baptizer. You may remember this, about how Jesus wants to anoint us with power. So again, all these things that I'm referencing, if you don't catch them, please come and speak to us at the end because we've got resources that we can give to you and throw your way so that you can build upon it. But in simple terms, how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or how we filled with the Holy Spirit? We ask and we receive. It's as uncomplicated as that. Just as salvation, you asked and you received, so it is with the Holy Spirit. We ask and we receive this gift that the Bible says is available to us. So if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit after the service, come and speak to us and we will explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit and pray for you to receive. You don't need to wait until a course or another class. Come and speak to us today and we can pray for you to receive that. But here's what we need to realize. We spoke about this back in July. That an infilling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-off event. Do we understand that? It's a, 
It's a daily invitation. It's a moment-by-moment invitation that we have an opportunity to come before God. And I pray this prayer each day. Holy Spirit, would you fill me again? Would you anoint me? Would you lead me? Would you empower me? Because on my own, I'm no good. But with you, I can do all things. The Bible makes it clear that there's an open invitation to receive from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18. says this, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, just to clarify, when it talks about spirit, it's not talking about whiskey or vodka. So this isn't saying, you know, avoid wine, but drink vodka instead, okay? This is talking about the Holy Spirit, because I know I get some kind of email. This is about the Holy Spirit in this moment. But here's the point. When it says be filled with the Spirit, that term means this, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-off invitation or a one-off event. Now, that doesn't mean that you didn't receive the whole of the Holy Spirit the first time of asking. It's not about receiving more of the person. It's about receiving from the person more often what he has available for you. So, as a church community, one of our family values is we want to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. But as the value also says, we want to acknowledge him. Because it's one thing to be given something, or in the case of the Holy Spirit, to be given someone. It's another thing altogether to acknowledge them, right? I mean, let, let me give you this stupid analogy, but it's for a purpose. Imagine tomorrow morning I wake up and you are sat there right by my bed. Now, that would be kind of strange in itself and I would probably have to call the police on you. But just put that to one side for my... Imagine you were there. You said, good morning, Steve. Even the thoughts is a little bit weird, but good, good morning... And, and I just ignored you. And we went down to breakfast and you followed me and you spoke to me and I ignored you. And this continued throughout the entire day. You were in business meetings with me. You were in conversations with me with my neighbours or my kids or my wife. And you were there all the time. And this continued the whole week. And there were times when you, you would say to me, oh, oh, can you do this for me? And I'd completely ignore you. And there were other times where you said, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, can, can we go this way? Don't go that way. And again, I completely ignored you. Now imagine we get to Sunday morning. And I get in the car and you get in the car next to me. And we drive here. And we arrive here and the service starts. And I start singing about how amazing you are. And I start praying about how I want more of you in my life. And how I want to be led by you and guided by you. Surely you would turn around and go, um, hello? The whole point is this, that how many times as believers can we come to church and sing about the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we love you. And in the entire week, we ignore and we don't acknowledge his very presence in our lives. As a family and as individuals, we want to acknowledge the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are we in agreement with that this morning? We want to acknowledge his ministry. But again, what does that mean? What does that look like? What difference does it make? One of the differences it makes is that we are a spiritual family. We are a spiritual community, okay? We are not a social club here this morning. Now, we will be sociable and we will build relationships and we will do social events, but that's not the base of it. If that's all that there is to this, we might as well be down the pub or we might as well gather around, I don't know, stamp collecting, if that's your thing. I don't know. But the reason we're together is because we are a spiritual community, a spiritual family that are spurring one another on to be all that God has called us to be in Jesus Christ. We're a spiritual family. We're a spiritual organization. 
Now, as Family Church, we are an organization and we're a charity, registered charity, so we have to abide by the laws of the land and we have to be um, doing what the Charity Commission asks of us. But you need to understand we are spiritual before we are anything else. Let me give you just a random example of that. This building, if we were just an organization, we would never have ended up with this building. Because we were led by the Spirit of God every single step of the way. I remember the first time we saw this building was available, we rang up the estate agent. He said, sorry, we're not showing anyone else around. Put the phone down on me. I said, no, because I felt the Spirit of God. And I'm not somebody who stands and says, God told me. You won't often hear me say that so directly. But I knew God had told us this would be our building for his glory. And so I rang the person back up, and, and strangely enough, he wasn't available. And I kept on ringing, kept on ringing, and we eventually got around to look. And as we walked on this land and walked around it, we knew God has given us this site. So we put in an offer that didn't make sense in terms of an organization. It would have been laughed at. We kept praying. We kept believing. They didn't want us to have it. The local Methodist church wanted us to have it. The legal department in Manchester were actually lying. And every time we prayed, the lies were being caught out. Time and time again. We put in an offer that was ridiculously low, but it was money we didn't have. Why? Because we knew God had said we were going to have the building. And sure enough, God provided the finances that we need. I'm explaining this so you understand that all throughout us as a church community, we are an organization, but we are a spiritual organization that will be led by the Spirit of God more than anything else. We are spiritual in our outworking. What other difference does it bring? The Holy Spirit should make a difference to our gatherings. Whenever we gather, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, connect groups, a group of people from church hanging out, the Holy Spirit should be in the midst of that. That's why, as I said earlier, we don't want to sing songs. We want to worship. We want the Holy Spirit to be ministering, not just in the service, but before and after, in the car park, wherever. That the Holy Spirit is free to minister and to heal and to mend and to challenge and to shape us into all he's called us to be. When it comes to the message, we don't want this to just be information. We don't want it to be, I was going to say, we don't want it to be an intellectual presentation. It's not really going to be with me. Last week, it could have been an intellectual presentation with Mark up here. With me, you're not really going to get intellectual stuff. But you get my point. We want this not just to be information. We want the Word of God to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit, amen, so that it makes a difference in our lives. We want the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be acknowledged. So acknowledging the Holy Spirit makes a difference to us as a church community, but it also makes a difference to us individually. Because we want to be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit, not just on a Sunday, amen, but every single day that we operate as a child of God. Now, here's where these two words come into play. Can I just get these two words up? Are you still with me this morning? I know we're going at quite a pace, but there's a reason for that, because I want to include as much as I can without actually going for four hours where you'll just leave and go and have your roast. Some of you would stay because you're faithful and you're good. But anyway, so there's these two words that we're going to look at this morning, flesh and spirit. The flesh and the spirit, just in the time that we have left this morning. But here's a daily reality. Every day, in fact, every given moment of every given day, we have a choice to be led by the flesh or to be led by the Holy Spirit. Paul explains this. Let's read this. Galatians 5, 16 to 17. Paul says to the church, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, 
and the spirit will is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So Paul talks about these two things, the spirit and the flesh. Now when he talks about the flesh, if you're new to church, let me explain. He's not talking about skin. He's not talking about bingo wings. He's not talking about any of that stuff. He's talking about something that is sarx, S-A-R-X. And it can mean skin in some different parts of the Bible. But in the context of what he's talking about in Galatians chapter 5, he's actually talking about the sinful state of human beings. They're actually left to our own devices outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Due to the fall, we are incapable of pleasing and serving God as he would want us to. Now, in Christ, we know that we've been made brand new, amen? We are new creations. We have been transformed into these new creations, but we are also being transformed through discipleship, through sanctification, through the journey that we're on with God. So we are being transformed, and we have been transformed, yet we need to understand that every single moment there is this gravitational pull, and you know it, towards who you used to be towards who you were before Jesus Christ. That's why discipleship is so important, because we don't just want to experience salvation, being saved from something, but we want to experience transformation and becoming something. Amen? Is this making sense this morning? So we are left with a daily choice to be led by the flesh, to live according to my factory setting, forgetting who Christ has now made me to be as a new creation, or to operate and to be led by the Spirit that causes me to be more like Jesus. few verses on this to underline that I'm not making this up and it is in the Bible. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Galatians 5 verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The New Living Translation puts it this way, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Ephesians 5 verse 18, we looked at this earlier, but let's look at it in the Amplified. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. Now you may be thinking, well, well why should I want to be led by the Spirit. And we kind of need to know the answer to that because otherwise all that's going to happen is I'll stand up here and say, we should be led by the Spirit of God. You go, yeah, that's great. We should be. And then you go back to your life and nothing actually makes any difference. There's no change in your life. So why is it that we should want to follow the Spirit on a daily basis? Number one, out of obedience. But secondly, because here's the understanding. Every time we follow the flesh, it will lead to destruction and brokenness. You don't need to be a genius. I'm mean, not saying anything mind-blowing or world-shaking to say that we are living in a world that is broken. We are living in a world that more and more, day by day, is becoming more and more broken. Why? Because people are following the flesh. And Paul explains the results of us following the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. He shows the outcomes. He says the acts of the flesh, in other words, when we follow the flesh, this is what happens. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. Let me just zoom in on some of these just for a moment. He, he starts off and he says, these are the results of following the flesh. Sexual immorality. And he, he begins to unpack this. See, sexual immorality is always, it's not a new thing. It's always been a problem in the culture of this word. world. The word that he uses in this moment is the word pornio, where we get the word pornography from today. And when Paul's talking about it, it encompasses all sorts of sexual sin and misdemeanors and sexual morality. But the reality is we know how much brokenness, pornography, and this, this state of sexual immorality has brought into our world from marriage breakdown to affecting the chemical makeup of a teenager's brain. He goes on and he says, idolatry. See, the worship of idols was a huge problem in the Old Testament, but also in the day that Paul was writing this. Now, do you know that idolatry still remains today? And we may not be worshipping wooden statues that have been carved out, but we are making idols of so many things in this world. We are making idols out of our possessions. We are making idols out of our careers. We are making idols out of money. What is an idol? Anything that you put in the place of God. We are making idols, some people, out of our families. We are making idols out of so many things. It's the results of the flesh. He goes on, he says, witchcraft. Your translation may say sorcery. And, and this is where we get the word that was used was the Greek word pharmaka, where we get the word pharmacy and pharmaceutical. Now, please hear me today. I know there's pharmacists in here. Paul is not saying you are evil. Let's make this absolutely clear. He's not saying get out of a church. The, the reason this word was used is because in, those, in that day, the drug taking was completely and utterly linked to witchcraft. Now, we know that witchcraft and the occult encompasses all manner of different things today and we also know that drug usage goes beyond witchcraft in one sense but the reality is there's nothing new that we know how much the drugs trade has broken lives and individuals and taken literally so many lives there is nothing new under the sun. The results of the flesh are continually the same. And we could go on, and in fact, in verse 21, Paul, having listed all these things, says, and the like. In other words, what he's listed is just a sampling. There's destruction everywhere, big scale, small scale, but it's the results of following the flesh. And then Paul continues, and he says, but if we choose to be led by the Spirit, here's what happens instead. There's love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All the things that actually the world is craving. All the things, if you think about it, that everybody's been applauding and saluting Queen Elizabeth II for. But all the things that are tragically missing from our society so often today. Paul says it's our choice, the flesh or the spirit. So what does it look like to actually follow the spirit? Because I want this to be practically at work, not just to be theory in our mind. And I want to just touch on this in two ways very quickly this morning. The first way is temptations. The second way is opportunities. Let's start with temptations so we end on a, on a higher, more positive note this morning. Temptations. Do you know that the stuff that you end up in doesn't just happen? Sometimes I meet with people and I'm pastoring them and they say, I don't know how I ended up here. I don't know. No, no, no. It doesn't just happen. There is a process where day by day we look and there's two options, and we choose to follow the flesh. And the Bible makes it clear that actually now we've been given the power to overcome this, and it's our choice to follow the flesh. James talks about this in James 1, 14 to 15. Temptation comes from our own desires. 
which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So James is teaching us here something. And I I want to put a graphic up on the screen that I've used before. You may remember it, but I make no apologies for using it again because it's so key to us understanding this journey. That every sin begins with a thought. That thought comes into your mind, I could. I could do this. And at that moment, when that thought comes in, you have two directions you can go. You can go in the direction of the flesh or you can go in the direction of the spirit, but it's your choice which direction you go in. Now, if we don't deal with that thought and we allow it to remain and we're walking in this direction, then that thought becomes a desire. All of a sudden, it's not I could, it's I want. We're making the decision, I'm going to journey towards the flesh because the flesh is trying to appeal to me in whatever way it is. You keep following the flesh and that desire will turn into intention. Not I could or I want, but it's I will. And that intention leads to action, the sin, gossip, lying, lust, adultery, greed, whatever it might be. And that sin leads to death, destruction, and breaking down of so much in our life. So, so every journey to destruction begins with a thought. Very often you can't do much about the thoughts that come into your mind, but you can do something about when they arrive. But when they arrive, you have a choice which direction you're going to go in in that moment. Will I be led by the flesh or will I be led by the spirit? So sexual temptation comes. A thought comes in your mind. I could choose to watch this. I could choose to flirt with somebody who isn't my spouse. I could choose to engineer a situation where I end up in a situation that my flesh is craving and wanting and desiring. Or else, I can choose to follow the way of the Spirit. Financial temptation comes. Things are hard right now. My my tax forms come. I've got a choice. I could cheat on the tax. Who's really going to know it? They've got millions of tax forms growing up. Who's really going to know if if a little bit happens here that means that I end up with more in my pocket? I, I could choose to do this. I could choose to use finance as a way of having status or power. I could choose to do that. Or else I could choose to follow the Spirit. Uh, uh, the temptation to gossip comes in you're in a group and you hear people talking about somebody who ran you down somebody who let you down there's a temptation in the workplace in church wherever it might be I could in this moment tell them something that is going to humiliate this person or I could choose to do what the spirit is calling me to do temptation to lie you make a mistake in the workplace you make a mistake in the family You let someone down. I could speak the truth or else I could cover it up. I could make excuses. I could blame someone else. I could let somebody else be the full guy. You can choose to go in the direction of your flesh or you can choose to go in the direction of the Spirit. You get the point. Because if we acknowledge the Holy Spirit, he will lead us away from the fire. So the Holy Spirit will keep us away from destruction But here's another side of it, a positive side. Not only does the Holy Spirit want to lead you away from stuff, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into opportunities. Do we know that this morning? That the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us. And so this may take place on the bus. It may take place in the checkout queue. It may take place, uh, I don't know, with a guy delivering your pizza. It may take place any moment of any given day if we would allow the Holy Spirit and acknowledge him and be led by him. And so the Holy Spirit may say, speak to that person. Encourage that person. The Holy Spirit may give you the gift of a a word of knowledge concerning that person that will lead that person to Jesus. 
You may be speaking with somebody and they're talking to you about a pain that they've got and, uh, or an illness that they're carrying and you could say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Or else the Holy Spirit may prompt you in that moment, pray for that person. And it's your choice. Now in those moments, we, we want to be spiritual because the Spirit in us is crying out. But the flesh begins to shout out, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I laugh at you? What if you look stupid? And pride and fear can try and drag us away from what the Spirit of God is encouraging us and calling us to do in that moment. Now again, you may say, well, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit or it's just me? Very quickly, a couple of thoughts on this. The Holy Spirit, when he speaks, will always line up with the Word of God. Mark made the point so well last week. Too many people say, God told me. And and they then follow that statement with something that's completely not in God's Word. It's quite a shock when you turn around to them and say, no, God did not tell you that. Because it's not in his Word. Now, sometimes when people say, God told me, and it could be in his Word, there's not much to say. But listen, the Holy Spirit will not tell you to do something that's not in the Word. The Holy Spirit will not lead you in a direction that's not in the Word because he will never contradict what the Word of God speaks. But here's the other thing. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it will always be the complete opposite of what your flesh is asking for. What do we read? The flesh and the Spirit are in conflict with one another. In other words, there is no middle ground. There is no gray area. Every decision that we make, we are following the spirit of the flesh. We're not halfway. We're not doing the hokey-cokey, one foot in, one foot out. We're, 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 there is no middle ground. There is no being here. You are either here or you are over here. It's your decision which one you take, but there is no middle ground. It's your choice who you are choosing to follow. And so we can choose to follow the flesh calling out or we can choose to listen to the Holy Spirit residing in us. But every time the Holy Spirit speaks... It will contradict what your flesh is desiring. There's a big difference between the Holy Spirit residing in us, which is what every believer has, and the Holy Spirit reigning in us, where we allow him to lead us and empower us. Is this making sense this morning? Okay, let's, let's finish this up this morning. George, you can come up. Let's just round this off. So in Family Church, we have a family value. And one of those is this, that we are spiritual. We are acknowledging the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are filled, empowered, and led daily. Here's a simple challenge I want to leave you with. And you, you know, I know it's been a whistle-stop tour. I know it's been a quick look for all of us. You may need to, to listen to this again on Spotify and take notes and just unpack some of what we've been looking at you may need to come and ask us some questions you may need to uh, listen to some of the resources i told you about concerning the gifts and the fruit of the holy spirit so ask in your connect group come and speak to us whatever it might be if you want to know more about this but here's a simple challenge i want to leave with you the first thing is this be filled with the holy spirit we can't know him unless we're filled by him unless we experience him so be filled with the holy spirit if you have never received the baptism of the holy spirit or never been filled with the holy spirit come and talk to us and we'll pray for you we don't suddenly get the spotlight on you ding, 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 ding. this guy has not been filled with the holy spirit okay everybody turn and look we just pray for you and you experience the holy spirit and you may be experiencing the holy spirit in a completely different way to somebody else but be filled with the holy spirit if you've never experienced him or maybe you did 
but you've never asked for a fresh and filling. Maybe you didn't know there was an opportunity. Tomorrow morning, well, don't wait till tomorrow morning, this afternoon. Now, ask Holy Spirit, would you fill me again? But then tomorrow morning, and the morning after that, and the morning, every day, begin your day. You know, it's so simple, and I don't want you to do this religiously or like a thing, oh, I've ticked that off my, mean it in your heart. It doesn't have to take long. Every morning, Holy Spirit, would you fill me again this morning? Maybe 30 seconds that you say, Holy Spirit, would you fill, before you do anything, before you respond, before you think, before you say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me again this morning? The second thing is this, acknowledge the one you are filled with. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you continually. Don't ignore him. He's not somebody that we visit on a Sunday morning. He's in your life for a purpose. The final thing is this. This week, begin to listen and be led by him. To me, this is the most exciting part. If you have never been led by the Holy Spirit, or maybe you once used to be, again, please understand you don't suddenly become weird. If you do, that's on your head. It's not the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you as you are. But the Holy Spirit can begin to prompt you. And do you know the excitement when you get to be part of what the Holy Spirit is doing? When you speak out, and it's not about your glory, but when you pray for somebody, or when you have a conversation and you lead them that step closer to Jesus, do you know what? It stops your Christianity being dull, I'll tell you that much. When you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. When you're dry, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Come on, let's be a church that don't just come along and sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But then don't actually mean that in our lives on a daily basis. So let me pray for you this morning. Just close our eyes in this place today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, as Mark shared so well last week, we want to be a a Bible-believing community. We want to be transformed by your word but also by your spirit. Father, thank you that your son said it so clearly. You haven't left us as orphans. You've given us this gift, this person. Holy Spirit, forgive us for when we've ignored you, made you out to be something that you weren't, chased you for experiences rather than were led by you and walked in obedience to you. Holy Spirit, we don't want to be a people who run after goosebumps in a, in a conference. God, we thank you for when we experience you in that way. We thank you for when you show up so powerfully. But God, we want to, on Monday morning, be obedient to what you're saying. Be led by you, be empowered by you on a daily basis. And Lord, I just pray over people who have been battling between the flesh and the spirit in different areas of our lives. Lord, I just pray a simple prayer. May they be reminded of their true identity in you, Jesus. Lord, may they not try and do it in their own strength, but may they know that the old has gone. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who now lives in me. Lord, I thank you that we're new creations in you. The old has gone, the new has come. Lord, remind us of our new identity in Christ, that we no longer are slaves to the flesh. We no longer have to follow the flesh, but we have this new identity where we can be led by your Spirit and hear your Spirit. Father, I thank you finally for testimonies beginning to emerge. Lord, I pray that as we, as we go about our daily business and as we are led by you and empowered by you and pray for people and speak to people, Lord, even next Sunday that there'd be just testimonies of, I, I, I did it. And this is what the Holy Spirit did through me.
I prayed for this person and, and this is what happened. That there would be so many testimonies we gather again next week. Not for our glory. Not to say look at us. Not to say look at family church. But to say look to Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you seal this word. And cause it to change our lives. Not just for a moment. But for eternity we pray. Amen.